You're entering into a giant world where you can be anything in a company when you start here because you're learning the product, you're learning how to talk to people, you're learning all of these great skills. So be proud of that. Don't be the person who's like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this and fly under the radar for as long as possible until I get a better gig or something. Hi, I'm Mark Gagne. And I'm Chris Corcoran, and you're listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Tech Sales for Hustlers is a podcast where we catch up with Memory Blue alums and reminisce about their start in high-tech sales with us. Let's go get some, Corcoran. Gagne, you know I'm ready. Christina Abrulo, in the house. Hello, welcome. Glad to be here. Christina, I'm so happy to see you again. Yes, and likewise. I mean, it, it has been a long time. I walked in, the place had the same energy, looked the same, and it just, all the feels... <laughs> It all feels well. It's not the same because you're not here anymore. But right, it'll never be the same the day you walked. No, I saw some killers when I walked in. Girl in the second to aisle, one of the DMs here. She looked at me when she walked in, and I just knew that stare. I said, "This girl, (laughs) this girl's in sales." I didn't even have to say hi to her. Love it. She had that look. Yeah. (laughs) So before we get into it, take us down a little. Give us a little quick bio or auto bio. On yourself, sure. like where you're from, which you grew up a little bit. Talk a little bit about that. Then I'm going to tell one of my favorite all-time stories of memory blue. Okay. When you started, what impact you had. <laughs> All right. So I grew up in Chicago. I had two salespeople as parents. Everything in my life is sales. It still is. Like when we go anywhere, like the way that they talk to me, the way they interact with people, when people meet them, like they're like, okay, like it makes sense. Everything makes sense. So I had them my whole life. I actually wanted to go into law. Not, I think it was like the negotiating, uh, the argument aspect of it. I like to find contrast in things. So I went to school with that perspective, got in school, like had a lot of fun and didn't really like the school part of it. And I was like, where can I just go, like get started, get, you know, my teeth cut and have a good time. And I was like, hey, sales seems obvious, right? I'm like bartender, hospitality life. I've been in hotels, fast food industry, pretty much everything. Hold on a second. Let's go back for a second. Yeah. So. Chi-town. Chi-town. Like, first of all. Your parents in Florida? They are in so, Florida now. Yeah. Like I've talked to you about your parents before. I want to meet them. Yeah, they're like, killers. Yeah. Back in the day, we, I was Microsoft. Right? Yeah, they're yeah. both at Microsoft yeah. 15 and 10 years apiece. So they've been there a while and they are like just golden childs there, you know big president club trips and whatnot. And just seeing that stuff like, oh yeah, we're going on a trip, stop and get to me luggage on the way. I'm like, I want to be in sales. But when was that? Was that like, when was the earliest you remember? I think I kind of want to do what mom and dad do, or or not because obviously to me luggage is awesome, but like your personality, did you always know that? Or I mean, how serious was it? Was it always, I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah. My mom went back to school or back to work to sales, specifically like tech sales when I was in eighth grade, 2008. When she went back, she predominantly worked from home, whereas my dad never did. Back in the day, work from home wasn't really a thing. So I didn't know what he did. I don't even know what sales is. I just know he travels everywhere. Right. And then my mom goes back to work. She's sitting at the kitchen table, like, and she's talking to people and she's just telling them why to do things, telling them where they have to go, negotiating things on a daily basis. I see her getting like aggressive. Like it's a side of her. I don't know. I'm like, wow, she's a killer. And I thought like myself, wherever I went, I didn't know sales at this point, but I was like, wherever I go, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to be unapologetically 
where I want to go and take myself there. And then I think once I was in the hospitality realm, like sales started sinking in for like, oh, there's upsells, there's cross sells. What were you doing with that? When did you get to the hospitality realm? I was pretty much my first job in college. Like I've always worked since I was 16, never needed a job, but always had one. You went to high school? Yeah. Where did you, because you went to Mississippi, right? Yeah, I went to Ole Miss for school. How did all that happen? A girl from Chicago going to, you know. Yeah. No, that was kind of random. People always ask me this question, Uh but I just was like, I want to go far away where I can be my own person. Like independence is like a huge thing for me. Okay. And I was like, I want to be far away where my parents aren't just driving in, stopping in. I want to be kind of somewhere new and somewhere I had no idea what anything was about, which was the South. I'd never really been to the South. We don't, or we don't classify Florida as the South. I've been to Florida, but had never been in the South. Like, I don't know what the food was. Didn't really hear the accents ever before. So I was like, I want to go there. I, like, I just think it was going to be fun. It wasn't like out of the country or anything, but it was far enough for me to feel like I was really on my own. Any kids from high school? Well, they're probably not. I was there was one, but one not that we knew each other. We okay. had just found out like once we got there and we had lunch and that was kind of the end of it. Yeah. And you said independence is a big thing for you. Huge. What, what, was it a big thing for you when you were that young? Since like, two, yeah. <laughs> why? How does that equate to you as a young adult? Like, you know, independent, yeah, independence to me is absolutely everything. Like, I want to be everything I am for myself. I never want to rely on anybody. And I like a lot. Like, I'll be the first to admit, like, I want to go places. I want to go to nice dinners. I want to buy nice things. And I'm never going to be sitting around waiting for somebody to be like, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's here's this money for this or this, that. And that's how I thought when I was 16 and went to go get my first job at Cold Stone Creamery. Shout out. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get my own check and I'm not going to ask my dad for $20 for the movies. And not because he wasn't going to hand me the $20, because I didn't want to walk downstairs to his office and ask him i just wanted to go i just wanted to leave and walk out the door yeah. and that's how i like that's how i was about everything and i yeah. just i was excited to just go to old miss and be on my own and so you start talking about what's this hospitality job you had at old yeah miss? so i first started at a pizza restaurant and i started as a hostess went to server then bartender at the end moved over to a more high volume kind of bar thing like a typical bar how long do you wait that you went one place all the time or both? No, I went from place to place. So I was okay. a year and a half at my first place. And that's where I moved from hostess to server to bartender. And then the second place I was at for a year. And then there was a new hotel opening okay. up in town. It was supposed to be the most glamorous hotel you ever heard of. It was, they put bought pajamas for your dogs if you brought your dog. They right. had all these crazy things. Where is this? This is in downtown Oxford, which okay. is where Ole Miss is. Have you been there? I'm dying to go. Yeah, yeah you know you have to. It's fun. Yeah. It's a fun time. Just plan in advance if you're going for a game day because it's crazy there. Um, So when I heard about this crazy new hotel opening up, I was like, I really want to work. Like, I want to be in a very refined atmosphere where I'm learning to make these drinks that I've never made before Uh and things like that. So that was the last place I joined. And I I stayed there until I started here, until I got hired here. Really? Mm -hmm. And what was that like? I'm looking at the, like, so you political science and government. Yeah. Pre-law. Yeah, it's what we call pre-law because yeah. they didn't have pre-law. Yeah. So it was political science and government. So, so when did you decide you were going to pursue that? Um, I think it was like around sophomore, junior year okay. when I started deciding like that the classes I was taking, I wasn't that invested in. 
And I didn't see a world where I was invested in reading a book because I'm a learn by doing person. And like, if you're going into the medical field or the law field, you have to be somebody who enjoys just learning, reading a book, sitting in class, taking tests. Whereas I just like, couldn't really be motivated to do my homework. Like never really cared about being like the straight A student or anything like that. I would put more time in my bar job, staying there till two o'clock in the morning, making (laughs) everything perfect, scrubbing the floor with a toothbrush versus doing a homework assignment at school. And like, how could that translate to somebody going to law school? Yeah. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Right. <laughs> it sounds like it was the absolute right thing to do. Yeah. All right. So you, how, how did you end up with us? Yeah, I I applied it a lot. On campus at Ole Miss. So yeah. No. I knew I was going to move to Austin. Okay. I had visited here a couple times. Right. Obviously, gorgeous city. When did you come here? I came here once my sophomore year, once my junior year. It was a friend of a friend. Okay, was like, right. hey, you can stay with us. Never met him before. Yeah, yeah. And just we went to Blues on the Green, which is some free concerts here. Yeah. We went and did really cool Austin things. You know everything about Austin, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> if you need something, yeah. yeah. If you need a good restaurant, you need a date night, you need the best, coolest, hippest, craziest, most secret place to go, yeah. pick me up. I have All a right. list for it. Yeah. So I knew I was going to move to Austin, so I was looking at everything in Austin. You guys don't even know I've applied to over 100 jobs at like I was just sitting there applying applying nobody really gives us the time of day and mostly they don't give us the time of day because they don't have the means to train people mm-hmm. and they don't believe in their training process so they're yeah. like why would I hire somebody I don't know anything about or even interview them so finally I spoke with you guys I spoke with Tiana actually she had- TKO yeah wow. <laughs> she's a girl who keeps leaving a mark on the business yeah yep, she was the All first right. person who talked to me so I spoke with her and then we had a great conversation and she had kind of got me in the mix I talked with Nimit after that and ended up flying in here for my last final interview, the role play interview, which was just, you guys, I was up till, I don't even know what, maybe 3 a.m. the night before reading the script. I had no idea what a script was. I'm reading it in the mirror. My parents couldn't help me because they didn't make cold calls. Really. Yeah, like they, Microsoft. Exactly. They yeah, don't yeah. do that there. It's just like they've yeah. never done a cold call. Yeah. And if they did, it was 25 years ago when yeah. it was a different even thing. Yeah. So no, I had nobody to help me. I'm just like watching these YouTube videos. I'm shaking in my boots. I come in here so nervous and I sit in conference room that used to be where the kitchen was because mm-hmm. we knocked down oh, that yeah. wall. Wow. And I give this thing and the spiel and then it comes in and it was like, that was really good. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm where I need to be. <laughs> Great. All right. So when you start, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Go here. What was it? What do you remember from starting? Starting, I will be honest, I remember that I was confused starting because there was, it was before we had the trainer here. Yeah. So it was a couple of videos and yeah. I and did. a pack of smokes. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah, here's a shot of whiskey and a headset. Let's yeah. get started. <laughs> so it was two days of like listening to a tape and there was like some random miscellaneous uncategorized tapes. And it was day three that I was on the phones and yeah. mind you, booking a meeting nonetheless. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so you know what we do now? Yeah. The SDRs, What's we, that? We fly them all into Virginia. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, on, I've seen this. Sunday night. Where was that? I would love that. Yeah, I know. Fly and me out now. And they have three days of training. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? And then they fly back to their office. And it's great for camaraderie too. Yeah, you know. It's yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's everything. like, oh my, my new company's taking me to DC. I'd yeah. be like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds really cool. You have the memory group live all team once again on their schedule with your, your, your new team together yeah um, so in memory blue like the history of the austin office one of the pivotal times was we had this our biggest client maybe in the history of the company mm-hmm. was motorola and we had a team of six on maybe and the team was good 
but they could have done more. Mm-hmm. And we knew they could do more. They knew they could have done more. They knew they could do more than SDRs, but the client didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did it. And this is balanced because you want the SDRs to be happy, but you also have to uphold the integrity of our delivery with the client. Yeah. So we went to the folks, we went to the clients and said, hey, we're going to increase the quotas on all of these guys because we know they can do more. We went to the guys and the guys got really upset. Yeah. It was like a, it was a mutiny, <laughs> right? We won mutiny because they all ended up leaving. Yeah. And they swore they couldn't do it. No one could do these numbers. It's never going to happen possible. And we took a big risk by like doing it because even the clouds like, well, you're doing what? Yeah. yeah. Like, what, well, what are you, we're happy with three meetings. Yeah. Don't, don't go crazy. Yeah. We, we replaced every single person on the team. And you were one of them. And by the way, that client, the VP, just came back two weeks ago. Oh, um, nice. Nice. Right. And you came in and like more than double, I think. Yeah. The, the numbers, the six guys who left, you said they, we could never get those meetings. Like in our first month. It was, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank right? you, Christina. Yeah. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> so talk, let's talk about that. We yeah. first started. So when I first made the first day, so I called the first day and I booked three meetings and everybody was like, wow, this is crazy. And I thought I did good because I- meetings are first day. That's unbelievable. And I made a lot of calls because I move fast and I don't have to be the smartest in the room or know the most, but I do know I can move faster than almost everybody that I'm put next to. So I knew I could do that and I knew I could move fast. And it was after that day that they were like coming around to kind of size me up or maybe have this conversation and they're like yeah well we could we could be booking that many meetings but we choose not to because it's better this way to make sure that you're not always increasing your goals or your targets and i'm just thinking who are these losers who are saying why would you say that about yourself yeah is that the saddest thing you could imagine yeah oh i'm not gonna work hard because then i might have to work harder or be better or (laughs) or move up in the company that's scary i'm gonna stay in this corner and nobody's gonna know who i am and then with of course within a couple weeks it all plays itself out and they're all gone yeah okay that's Um, what it was then okay yeah yeah. so maybe that's what it was whatever well half of them had left and then there was a couple who were still there and you know whatever there was a 100 percent turnover yeah, I do know that, and you were the emphasis for that. So, like, you confirmed our hunch. Yeah. So, and so, and then, so then, then they came back around after and said, "What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you working so hard? Like, I was ruining their life or yeah. something." And I'm just like, "Sorry, this isn't going to be the way." It's. Like, you should be proud. Be right. proud of your job. Right. You know, like yeah. it's a good job. You're entering into a giant world where you can be anything in a company mm-hmm. when you start here because you're learning the product, you're learning how to talk to people, you're learning all of these great skills. So be proud of that. Don't be the person who's like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this and fly under the radar for as long as possible until I get a better gig or something. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. And so what else do you remember from back then? Yeah, after that team had turned on, I think like we started to kind of get like almost a whole new team dynamic at that point. Like a lot of new people were coming in and also the culture in the office started to shift where people were getting a lot closer with each other. Yeah. I first joined in. I like I don't think it was like the warmest welcome, you know, yeah. it was like a lot of different like discombobulated groups. And like shortly after that is when like not only people were taking more pride in what they were doing because people wanted to book meetings and work the hardest they could and they were like excited to shout it from the 
rooftops, but they were also getting like really friendly and familiar with each other, which like I think is just the absolute best thing to do. Like not only as a business leader to like want your team to be like that, but also as a new person into the company to like make yourself vulnerable and trying to like meet yep. people and educate yep. people. So it was like this huge influx of like new customers at that time. I'm not sure if you guys like added to the sales team at that point or something, know. but it was just like all of a sudden out of new nowhere, like all these new clients were coming in. And like, I wasn't on Motorola for that long, maybe only like five or six months. Yeah. And during that time we had joined, like had so many new people coming in and yeah. like, it was just nice to work with them and get them excited. And like, you could tell people in the company were, you know, just acting differently than when I first started. Yeah, you were doing well. And I remember we just had Deontay in here and we did a podcast. And Deontay, Deontay Meredith Davis, he said, hey, who do you remember from working here? And he said, this is for the podcast of the listeners. Christina, she came in here. We're like, it's like she's been doing this all her life. But we couldn't even believe that she was new yeah. at this. It was, she was talking to these people like she knew all that. <laughs> so we gave you our version of training then. You have you, you know you were new at it, but how did you develop? Because there's still I know you booked three the first day, but were you truly just rolling your own personality out or like what was kind of your superpower? Yeah, I listened to a lot of call recordings. I think that was great. Okay. I mean, recording the calls is obviously just like you have to do it if you're mm -hmm. an SCR function because it's the best way to learn. So I listened to a lot of them and I think I just kind of took what I liked and I just went in there as aggressive as I could. And I think it worked really well for who I was dialing. Yeah. So I really want to caveat that because a lot of times if you're calling into a certain industry, it's not great to be aggressive. I've listened to a lot of amazing phone recordings with calling into HR professionals mm -hmm. where you use the dad jokes and you kind of come in there funny yeah. they were like because they're people people yeah. so for me i was like i'm calling into these chief police officers they're no bs type people yeah. i want to go in there and i want to tell them why they need to use us and then i started getting creative with these like meetups or whatever that i called them i was like oh we're scheduling a conference oh, with similar departments in your area which was completely true because i was getting them all on the phone call together and yeah. we were going to talk best practices of crime analytics and reporting. So it was completely true. It wasn't a false at all, but it really inclined them because they wanted to hear about what other people in their state or neighboring states were doing. FOMO. Yeah, FOMO, exactly. <laughs> they were going to buy because of FOMO. They didn't want to be the only person without crime reports. We want to talk about your-, your yeah, What one, a great idea. One of our hallmarks as a manager, or at least as a working here, comes up with great ideas. We yeah. We always execute things. Yeah. I think. Yeah, innovation. The meetups, we'll talk about what you did, the booths and all those other awesome things you did. But let's talk about you're an SDR for eight months and then you moved into the delivery manager role. Yeah, I actually got lucky that you guys needed someone on the talent team. So I got to train under Meredith on the okay. talent team. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, and learn all of that, I'm which helped me so much in the role I have right now. Yeah. So I did that for a month or two months because we like weren't ready for another DM and yeah. like we were done with Motorola. So I got like so lucky. I learned all these ropes of a, a field I would have had zero knowledge about. Yeah. And then I went into delivery manager and I love that I got to start off slow. So I had like one employee, one joined a week later, a couple later. And then before you knew it, I had a team of 15. 15 people. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, what did you have on your team? This is when you're interviewing, hiring, so you learned that. So whatever reason, my fortune or not, you worked with Meredith a little bit, and then we put you to the DM role, and you're interviewing people. Yeah. What was that like, learning how to interview and learning how to 
Yeah, I mean, it was great, like learning what to message people, yeah. like what to say to them that's going to increase their response rate, how to pick out different flaws, characteristics, how to hone in on something they say without feeling like you're striding a spotlight in their face. And things like that were really helpful. What to look for on resumes, how to like get all that out in a mass quantity, talking with them, following up. It's We treat it like sales, obviously, and most recruiters treat it like sales, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of nuances to it that are different yeah. from sales. So it was really helpful to know. I want to put you on the spot here, but who are some of your best hires? Brandon Rochelle. Uh, I actually just, yeah, Couchface just ran into him at the airport, actually. Yeah, he goes, Christina. And I was like, is that, who's that? Is that Brandon? (laughs) Uh, So he was fantastic. Another one, Sam Ott. Oh Oh. my gosh. I got to love Sam Ott. I want him to work for me. I'm like, where are you, Sam? Yeah, he's he's one of the smartest dudes. The honor me. Yeah. 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 He's he's fantastic. Yeah. He's a great guy all around. Who else did I? Sam Ott was in the years, huh? Yeah, yeah, he was great. And Brandon was one of mine. I'm trying to think towards, I love Jace. Loved yeah. working with Jace. He was fantastic. He's, he's DM here. Yeah, he's he's yeah, of course he's crushing it. Yeah. He was just, oh my gosh, that bubbly energy. I loved working with him. <laughs> I would say those three are probably some of yeah. my favorite. I might be missing some. So anybody, okay, uh, uh, yeah, no, 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 man. I had some great people on the team. Oh, Chelsea McKay. Oh, yeah. She was on community brands that did some work for them and she was great with them. Yeah. What did you learn as a manager? Like, so, I mean, maybe you've managed people at the hotel or along the way somewhere, but like, what was some of the muscles that you developed when you went into the DM role? Yeah, so it was actually my first experience ever managing yeah. anyone. And it was kind of learning to walk a line between being close with them and the understanding that I'm on your team, but also being able to guide them in a way that you have credibility in what you're saying. I always wanted to gain credibility with my team. And I did that by cold calling along their side, which Mm -hmm. I do today. Yeah. Yeah, And and people are always shocked when I say that, but it's like, how can you say you're good at this or say you're somebody to trust if you don't do it yourself? So I thought that one was, it was really helpful. And I always wanted to put together together really great trainings for them that also made them feel like I was actively in the space. I'm always on LinkedIn reading posts. I'm always on websites, getting information, looking at YouTube and things that are being released. Cause you have to read it every day with SDR stuff. It changes so frequently. Yeah. So I think giving a lot of those trainings to my team, as well as like going and calling on their accounts with them when they were in a rut, gave me the credibility to be able to like guide them and coach them without them. You know, some people are a little bit resistant to coaching. It's natural. You know, you're telling somebody they're doing something wrong. So you want to give them a reason to believe what you're saying. And then, of course, with here, it's the work hard, play hard, which like I will never work somewhere that doesn't believe in that mantra. Like here, I just remember it being a Friday at the end of the month. Everyone was doing great and being able to just like bring beers into the office, have a good time, like be ready to enjoy yourself and celebrate the wins and celebrate things that people are doing well. And you guys have even better ways of doing it now. I mean, I see you in Costa Rica. Oh, we missed you for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was right before. It was, yeah, it was right as I was leaving that you had them. Yeah, T Rich had gone. Yeah. We'd love to have you on those. But but you threw the best memory blue holiday party. Oh, was doing that you, thank you. Yeah, you, you. Yeah, was that? Part? Taylor, you and Sienna, who put that thing on? Yeah, Taylor, Sierra, and myself had yeah. all kind of put yeah, them on that, together. That was, that was like my favorite one. It was a really good party that, like, everything just worked out perfectly with that bar there yeah. and the yeah. food, and everything was a good time. That was good. So, you, that obviously, that's important to you. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Like, I'm like, I will not join a company unless I know what our culture budget is. Like, you need to have fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So, let's talk about what your piece de resistance, which I think is booze. Yes. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. 
you bring your own style, not your own style, you innovate. You're an innovator. There's no doubt about it. And I remember always pushing back on something like, just make sure they're making calls, Christina, make sure they're making fucking phone calls. And she's like, Mark, you're very patient with me when I would come down every quarter or whatever it was and be like, can we make more phone calls, please? You know, look at all these meetings we're producing. Where does that come from? Because it's an incredible strength of yours. Yeah. And I know that you guys, I remember it's in your onboarding playbook, the early chasm adopters and yeah, things like yeah, that from yeah. the start with the why. And like when I saw that for the first time, I saw that YouTube clip from the TED talk. I was like, I'm an early chasm adopter. Yeah. Like I need to be like before everyone else. Right, like right. there's a new piece of technology out there. I don't even want it, but I have to have it because I need to review it and yeah. know like what it is. If there's a new strategy out there, I want to be the first to A-B test it. So like I mentioned, I was developing all these trainings and a lot of them were on highly targeted, targeted hyper-personalized outreach. And with that is an omni-channel approach. And I truly believe in an omni-channel. And I'm sure you guys are doing it now, um, where it follows in the emails, the LinkedIn, you know, get the social selling as well as a phone call. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're doing that and increasing the personalized aspect of it and creating all the questions around what that person does and what you've found about them online, then it's going to bring the calls down a little bit. So my team right now makes 50 cold calls a day here. That's doing half of a day's worth of work. And the way that they're structured is to spend a lot more time on customizing what every phone call is going to be about in every email. And that's kind of where I wanted to take the booze route of like being able to create these really custom experience for people, especially in a saturated market like cybersecurity. Yeah, and trust you guys were going high level. Like CISOs, yeah. We were going after the the, the, the small guys. Yeah. Like who's legitimate uh, blue blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Construction company that's trying to get this MSP space. Yeah, brand new to them. Yeah, brand new to them. And, And Jace... Because I remember you working on those things, but Jason, I feel like, was kind of like your, your start. He people, was great. Yeah, right? he was great. He takes direction very well. He's yeah. really eager to do turns and twists. I personally am a very change-oriented person. I like to shake things up. It's exciting to me. Yeah. So when I did direct people, there was the people who were afraid of change. And there was people like Jace who were ready to say, okay, let's do these things now. And a lot of them you guys have touched on before, like Circle of Leverage. Yeah. I remember you came here and did a big study on it. Mm-hmm. And like you've touched on like a lot of the personalization like i remember you were giving a presentation about a linkedin character and you're like look he's in minnesota he's got a fishing rod yeah. here like yeah, yeah. we know he does we this like the, the cities on the map or whatever yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going through it, writing all the notes in so like a lot of it was there and like i was just kind of elongating the idea of making it a true omni-channel approach yep. where we had a specific cadence. And this was before like outreach yep. was even on our oh, radar. Yeah. So yeah. we were papering sequences and writing them down, when yep. to add them on LinkedIn, when to follow up with the message on there. The and it works well. Remember the spreadsheet you had? Yeah, she exactly. Had spreadsheet that was like Great. fucking badass. So she took the new way of executing it and they were fucking executing it. Uh, so, uh, so my big argument would be, Christine, your approach without a tool would be a poor approach with outreach. Yeah, I the manual because it's more about the approach that you're going to execute it than the technology. Yeah, absolutely. You can do anything without the technology. Yeah, it's adopting the workflow that's yeah. harder at scale without the technology. Right. I kind of force my SDRs hand since they use outreach to follow my exact workflow, and they really don't have an option around right. it. Like they're going to do my tasks, yeah. and I'll see if you didn't. But if you have a team, a small team, and yeah. it's easy for you to say, "Here's the process. Let's follow it to a T." Yeah, it's probably just as good, if not better, to use it without the tool because then you have flexibility to add in things because there is no one size fits all for people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's your take on this so the beauty of that approach Christina's approach when she was here is that it forces the SDR to learn so much about the space 
about the persona, about the people, right? And the nuance of it. Yep. So when you do reach out to them, and if you ever do get them on the phone, you're just so much more comfortable mm -hmm. with completely. who it is. You, you feel know. like you know that. Yeah. You feel like you know that. Yeah. Oh, I've been waiting for this. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Um, so that's why, like, if you don't put the time in to do the research, and that's only going to help you as you go down your career, yeah. because you need to do those things anyways. So it's such a great feeling, I think, to, yeah. to have that confidence. No, it's definitely great. You get them on the phone after you've read an annual report. Yeah. You've read, like, a panel that they sat on a discussion. Mm -hmm. You know not only him, but you know three other people that he works with, yep. who's above him, who's below him, and you're ready. Like, he's finally answered the phone. I'm ready to wow him with my credibility. My opening value statement isn't bland and generic. It's yep. directly targeted right. to who you are, and I yep. know you're not going to say that I'm not the right person. I know you're not going <laughs> to say I'm not interested because this is exactly what I read that you're interested in, and I know <laughs> that you're going to talk to me. Yep. So you're doing your thing, you're building these teams. I wrote down in our pre-call notes last time. We're talking about SCRs that leave for like a 5K yeah. on base. But what were we talking about there? Yeah, no, I, I was just saying there's a lot of people in my network. Some were here, yeah. a lot of them were here, yeah. and then some were elsewhere and not even Memory Blue related. Yeah. And they would get these LinkedIn messages, just like we all do, just like every SDR on the floor does. Yeah. Yeah. And it would say 2K base hire, $5,000 yeah. base hire, whatever. And they were so excited to jump ship for this opportunity. Do they spend any time reading up on the company, what the growth trajectory is, doing research on the leadership board? No. They say $5,000 a year, that's $125 more per paycheck, whatever. I'm going to take this and it's going to change my life, right? Like $100 yeah. a paycheck is just going to be make or yeah. break. And what ends up happening is they go to this new company and they end up having to spend even more time as an SDR because they want to give everyone the same fair opportunity. So now they're, they spent five months here. They have to go spend an additional 12 to 15 to 18 months at this new role. And now we see them, they've been at three different places, all as an SDR, three plus years have gone by. And they're like, when's my AE job coming? Well, it's not going to come to you because you had no loyalty somewhere to sit and wait and learn the ropes. If you're not getting promoted, it's not because your boss hates you or because they don't have headcount. Like they would be excited to promote somebody who had earned their stripes and who did amazing at this job. And they would be ready to hand it to you mm -hmm. on a silver platter. But you weren't ready yet. Yeah. You need to know that you're not underappreciated. Like you are on the path that you need to be on. Yep. Yep. So you're rocking the path with us. And you left. Yeah. Which is great. Talk to us about that next well, time. Well, before we yeah. on it, so how long were you in SDR before you moved up to be a DM? It was pretty quick, actually. It was, I think, just eight months. Eight months. Yeah. Wow. And she was a DM for a year and eight months. Yeah. A year and eight months. Yeah. Okay. She's That's great. Good, good tour of duty with us. That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> we were very fortunate to have you down here. Wow. So then, Mark, what was your... So I was curious about... There are a couple of things I want to chat about, but let's talk about how you size up opportunities, mm -hmm. right? Because you're yeah. a new company now, yes. which we'll get to. I want to hear all about that. But when you left or when, you know, at your Dun & Bradstreet, right? Yeah. What inspired you to go there? And mm -hmm. what talk to us, tell us what you did there and how you further cut your career and Christina Incorporated. Are you looking to join an industry with unlimited professional opportunity? It has never been a better time than right now to start a lucrative career in high-tech sales. Memory Blue has launched hundreds of careers for accomplished high-tech sales professionals from our offices coast to coast, and right now, we're in hiring mode. Working with us will accelerate your professional growth and place you on a path to success early in your sales career. You'll get world-class training through the Memory Blue Academy program and sharpen those skills with ongoing mentorship and coaching from our seasoned sales leaders. 
Memory Blue is an expansion mode and we have immediate openings in all of our offices. We have been named one of the fastest growing private companies in the U.S. by Inc. Magazine for eight straight years. Our award-winning culture has been recognized by third-party industry groups as the best in the business as we routinely add unbelievable benefits and rewards for our team. To learn more and apply to any of our openings, visit memoryblue.com careers today. Yeah. So when I was leaving here, I was looking for a larger company, like enterprise size, 5,000 employees plus, because I wanted to learn some of the traits around, you know, mapping within a company and working cross collaboratively with different teams and being able to work in that giant organization and Mm -hmm. have those kind of um, experience under my belt. So that's what I was looking for, period. I came across a bunch of different places. And the reason that I went with Dun & Bradstreet is I wanted to expand on my own personal growth. And one of the biggest reasons that I left here is because I wanted to be able to spend a little bit more time working on tools and digital tech stacks for the MarTech and sales tech world. So I went into the digital side of the house there and I got to expand my horizons on things focusing on demand generation, not only just lead generation, but also that more top of the funnel of driving people to your website with like SEO keywords, Mm -hmm. paid search terms, understanding intent, understanding prospect engagement on things that are going out. And a lot of it was coming to fruition when I was here at Memory Blue because I was moving into some sort of marketing consulting role with a lot of our clients because they were just naturally inquisitive about it. So I would go off and learn because they would come to me with questions and topics. I would go off and learn and I would find a lot of areas of interest in that where I wanted to kind of grow that bubble a little bit. So moving into Dun & Bradstreet, I got to focus on not only just sales um, consulting, but also that marketing consulting side of the house and querying up ideal customer profiles and how to target people based on, you know, your total addressable market. I remember this because like you're so, this is kind of what we want DMs to do more of, of right? Yeah. Is to have these conversations Mm -hmm. with clients about sort of the work, how many leads did we get, how many leads we down, the call, what insights, but also like, we work so hard and do so well, it would be valuable for them to have conversations about other things. I mean, we have to start doing this with those other things. Innovation, you know, yeah. the, the, the innovation part of it, because we focus so laser-like, which is good, but that was a, a really good natural move for you, right? Yeah. Just based upon how inquisitive you are. Right. I was very focused on the data here and looking at all these connect rates. What time of day was the best? What yeah. what type of persona were we talking to and getting the best phone calls out of? And I wanted to go a more data-centric route. And they just, Dun & Bradstreet has a giant sales tech stack and martech stack. So I was delivering those solutions to customers and consulting them on how to utilize them within their own, whatever they had going on their map yeah. with their CRM, with, you know, if they're launching to Facebook ads, Google ads, or whatever it may be. Awesome. And then, of course, I know if you look at like the newer there, you were doing your thing for a year and a half, then you got promoted. No surprise there. Yeah. (laughs) And then what were you doing differently when you got promoted? Yeah. So I moved into the director of digital customer success. And what that role really entails is I did go back to management, which was nice. So I had a team of customer success managers under me. Also, you're more of an escalation point. So I'm mostly focused on renewals. And for the largest target accounts, I'll come in and do some main strategy, like maybe I am organizing all of the attributes that they have, like focusing on what tech install would somebody have to be a good customer for you and kind of serving up those large ideas about how we're going to target and then move into the background. And then come renewal time, I would do a specific lift analysis to determine what tools were getting the most ROI, what campaigns we were driving that were 
producing the most revenue, how they were converting to customers, you know, likelihood to upsell, cross-sell with them and things like that. Fascinating. Yeah. And who were your clients? It's like strategic account management, essentially. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was on the enterprise team. So mostly enterprise, I had Office Depot, Citrix, US Foods, Gordon Foods, tons of people there. Well, so we had Hankel, just a bunch of just large organizations that needed to make some sense of all of the pieces of data that they had, because they're fine to buy things, right? They love buying all these things, and then they don't really know how to put it into action. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what was that like working at a bigger company for like, so people that said this might be working at a bigger company? I, I, I hope our friends at LinkedIn are listening to this because this is the kind of shit that we need for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Working at a big company, it is, it's great for some things. We fly business class, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's fantastic. Right. It's great having a process and procedure set out for everything. I'm booking travel. I know where to go. Everything's logged in. It goes in a corporate card. It gets expenses paid automatically. I have a problem with HR. Things are delivered on target. I need a customer use case from a person in this thing. We have it. It's already spun up. Everything is laid out. Where it starts, where and the reason I ultimately left is because you are just a little brick in the wall of this giant organization. They don't really care about you. You're a line item on an Excel spreadsheet. They are so quick to just fire somebody right off the bat because it doesn't fit into their economic plan this year. They decided we could do without this job and they have no problem. And that happened to my boss. And I think that's when a lot of people on my team were like, where am I working? Like, yeah. geez, I love this guy. He knew how to do everything. Why would you ever have a reason to let this guy go, right? Yeah. So there's not this familial flavor to it like there is at a company like this or where I'm currently working. And it's like, why would I work myself to the ground? I have no problem working nights or weekends or even when I'm on holiday if a message comes through that I need to answer. Why am I doing that for somebody who would be so quick to turn their back on me mm -hmm. and wouldn't even really care to invest in me in general? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you got a lot of experience and exposure. Yeah. Exactly. I'm thankful. There. So yeah. It's a good tour. Yeah. 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 It's a good tour for sure. So it, 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 now that it makes sense about it makes even more sense to me as to uh, what you did and why you're so good at it there. Yeah. Because like you're very consultative and you're super smart. You should learn. Yeah. I do love to learn. Right. I, if somebody says something I don't know, I'm like immediately like I'll buy every book in its name and I need to figure this out. <laughs> and another thing I think which kind of led you to where you are now, would be you and I spoke, we talked about the networking factor in mm -hmm. Memory Blue. Yeah. You know, you come to Austin and you don't know that many people and you meet all these people at Memory Blue. Yeah. Right. People you buy houses with or people you do all sorts of stuff with. Right. Yeah. Good friends. But you're also a very you're good with people. Yeah, I love right. it. I mean, I love people. So what's your approach to that as, as a manager, just as a person? Yeah, in terms of networking? Yeah, just in terms of you enjoy the people you work with, enjoy the development of these folks. You manage a lot of people by this point. Yeah, yeah. I think coming off the bat, like getting culture started up and ready, like the way that you are going to interact with people and the way that it's going to be what's tolerated and what's not. Good culture isn't just going out to dinners and having good events. It's being really proud of the work that you do. It's congratulating the person next to you when they have a big win. It's not being afraid to turn around to everybody on your team and be like, hey, can you read this? email really quick because I don't know if this first line looks good or not. Yeah. So that's the type of stuff you want to like instill really early on by doing it yourself and being vulnerable and doing things and saying, do you guys like this? I just set out this new procedure and I really like 
part A and part B, like what do you, do you think part C would go good in action? Like being that person that's willing to open themselves up and talk to people is a great way to build the culture and just being human. You know, I didn't have yeah. that at Dun & Bradstreet where people were human with each other. It was just like, here's the result. Like it's on a bow. If it's your internal people, it's family. We can talk to them. We can yeah. be silly. We can also be vulnerable or tell them we need help or ask whatever. So it's huge to, you know, have that that aspect. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, uh, TC, Tyler, work, you, you know. I, call, I talk to Tyler every day. Yeah, you talk to Tyler every day, right? Second <laughs> T. Yeah. Second T. And does T. Rich work at the, is T. Rich there? No, she's right. not there. It's just, yeah, just Tyler okay. Gassett. That, that, TC, but like, yeah. did you hire him? Um, I hired him yeah. knowing that I was leaving, but yeah. I wanted to get him in before I had left. So I was like, hey, I, here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. If you want in, you know, it's a great place to learn things yeah. and kind of start getting networking with new customers and building this kind of great relationships. So he took that and I never got to work with him because I yeah. left like right before his start date was. But we talk every day about whatever he's doing or what customers yeah. are. So, I mean, you're good at building these relationships with people too, which is wonderful. <laughs> And when you told me about how you ended up in this new place, it's the same sort of thing, right? Yeah. What were you looking for when you, when you were leaving Dun & Bradstreet's? So I actually wasn't looking, which is like why, you know, you can't be looking for a relationship when you find the best one. Yeah. You can't be looking. So I wasn't looking. I was just got a random LinkedIn message asking if I wanted to be a, a, You wanted a $5,000 increase in your business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked if I was interested in a customer success manager position, which was my title, but my title didn't really encompass what I did because I was much more on marketing and sales consulting. Mm -hmm. So I just let him know that. And I was like, Hey, I'm actually really interested in marketing and sales consulting. And that's why I'm in this space. Love working products. But I know Austin really well. He's moving his headquarters here. He doesn't live here. He's in Boston. And I was like, so why don't you give me a call? I know tons of people. I know where things are, where you need to get your office at and things like that. So let's talk. So we talked for a long time. We talked for an where hour. You get your office. She does all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked for an hour or go, you know, just kind of shooting the shit and stuff and you know nothing comes from it i'm like hey have a great day he's like a couple of weeks later he's like let's talk again i have a couple more things let's talk on zoom and he's like we were gonna have our director of enablement start our sdr team but now we're thinking there's way too much work and he's not gonna be able to handle all so you know maybe that's something that you'd be interested in since you've been there before and like it and i was just kind of like you know where i'm at so good they pay me good i just i know what i'm doing and i don't really think that i would leave or do anything He's like, that's fine. We still started talking. We were talking to more people in the company. And he ended up coming to town here with the CEO, COO, some sales engineers were here. Just a great, great group of people that were like ready to take this company to the next level. So we all got dinner and I just like, it was like, I knew these people forever, right? I'm like sitting at the table, I'm <laughs> laughing with them already. A laugh with a, like, with a coworker, that hasn't happened to me since I worked at Memory Blue, right? So I'm like, this is crazy to be with these people that I'm so comfortable with. And they should- Yes, I want to have an impact. Yeah. I want to feel like what I'm doing matters and is truly going to make or break a company. Yeah. So after we had talked for a while, I and they kind of asked me again. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm really open to hearing like about this. They are on like on obviously the goal is going public and whatnot, and just kind of thinking about being able to either aid in that or be a part of that was mm -hmm. really exciting. It's an exciting journey. Yeah. So you know that kind of persuaded me more. Then we started talking strategy and what their marketing strategy was and how I would strategize my team. It seemed like we were on the same page for everything. And it was kind of like a no brainer after that, that I was like, let's do this thing. 
where do I sign? And what are you doing now? I'm the director of sales development now. So yeah. I'm building the sales program, building all the workflows, designing, you know, what tech set we need to be successful, what the messaging is going to be, who's the ideal persona. All of that's pretty much brand new right now, figuring out, you know, what the talk tracks are, how many touches we need to engage with them, how to react to inbound leads and everything along those lines. Wow, right up your wheelhouse. Yeah. And the headquarters here? The headquarters so is here. Where, uh, we got to know where's the best place in Austin to have a, to, to open a, an office. Yeah, so it's right south of down. the river. Okay. It's okay. overlooking the entire downtown. It's on Barton Springs, so it's on the yeah. street that Zilker's on. It is just the absolute best views in the world. There are pets allowed in there. That makes it even better. There's cute little dogs and whatnot running around. And cold brew on tap, which I mean, come, come on. Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah, Absolutely. Come. What does the company do? So it's a digital adoption platform. So it sits on top of software to guide users on how to use it yeah. against like intended workflows. Okay. So it's kind of about thinking about how I would want my reps to behave within all of my pieces of technology. They don't have to sit through live trainings anymore. They don't have to watch recordings. They know what they're doing and how to do it. And then it also has data validation, data cleanliness. So end of the months, if you're pestering Jackson to pull some reports and he's realizing people haven't marked things as meeting occurred, next time they log into Salesforce, it would automatically force them to go to that location, update the record. So without people having to bug people or, hey, update this, is everything clean in here? Utilizes its own tools to make sure it does that. So are you going to sell this to the end user or to the software companies or both? So right now we're focusing on the end user okay. for an internal use case. Yeah. So my team's focusing on enterprise. So 2000 users and above mm -hmm. is what we're looking at or 2000 employees and above. And it's for their internal use case of utilizing their own tech stack. Oh. Yeah, we do have a partnerships and channel side that's happy to kind of use it as more of a company licensed application, but it's not where our focus is because we really want to kind of hone in on this internal use case. I see. So if I'm, if I'm a Boeing yeah. and I decided I need this, I buy it from you guys. Can I use this on all of my software technology? Yeah. So it is software agnostic. It's oh, just web-based applications. Okay. We are working on getting some like downloaded apps and, you know, on-premise applications situated and that's on the roadmap. Um, but right now it's all web-based applications. It can be homegrown. It can be absolutely anything and it'll have, you know, everything in them that they want them to abide by. That's great. What's a Tina tech stack look like nowadays? It's not crazy. It really yeah, isn't. Yeah, so I'm it's so LinkedIn. Curious, you, uh, dialed in. Yeah. It's like I wonder where the office is. I want to know yeah. what what you recommend people should use. So Salesforce is our CRM. Yeah. We have LinkedIn for social selling. We have Outreach as our email platform and then Zoom Info as our data yeah. platform. And those, I mean, that's really all you need. Sure, if you're going to go out there and if you have budget for it, there's a lot of things out there that's going to yeah. make your lives easier. Yeah. But I think to get started, that's absolutely what you need to get off the, the ground running. I got a question for you. So what's the goal of that team? Do you want to build, build, build the team? Yeah, I want to build the team. On. By the end of the year, you know, I'd be, like to have at least 10 SDRs. By yeah. early next year, have another SDR manager who's Excellent. you know bringing on some other team members and kind of build and expand from there so I can move away from some of the day-to-day -day aspects of training, coaching, yep. which I love to do, but moving into more of like the big picture, you know, strategic account planning and ideology around who we're going to target. Yeah, yeah, there's so much stuff you can do for them. Yeah. Is, they, uh, is the company headquartered now in Austin or are they, yeah. they relocated from Boston down here? Yeah, it was actually Frisco, but a lot of people that work here live in Boston just yeah. because it was like, hey, I'm working here. Let me hire my friend. Oh, this guy I know is really good. Yeah. And they all happen to be kind of clumped in Boston, but they just moved it from Frisco to Austin. Within, Frisco, Texas. Yeah, okay. within like the past three months. Okay, that's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. yeah.
You're it's where place. to be. You're in the right type of place to utilize your talent, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how long have you been there? I started in mid-July, so okay. just a couple months yeah. now. And then the first people that I hired on my team started in the beginning of September. So most of who's in the office right now is pretty new to the company. That's great. So what do you look for when you hire people? Yeah, so I don't care what the background is. Can be recent graduate, can be anything. I am looking for somebody who has a real interest in sales. Why do you want to be in sales? What's very much drawing you to it? Do they have that natural born personality where they light up a room? You know, I want them to come to the office, meet me. Are they that person that can kind of talk to a wall or, you know, don't take themselves too seriously? I do, of course, the role play. I want to hear how they are on the phone. I want them to utilize their all types of resources that they can to develop a script. I don't really give them much information going into the role play. I just tell them who I am, who they're calling and who they're supposed to be. And I want to see, you know, how they've developed it themselves. An organization, do they get nervous? Are they confident? How do they, yeah, did they prep? That's one question I always ask in the interview. How did you prepare for this call? And I want to know, you know, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great, no, it's a great question. It is. And I want to know, what did you do? What did you research on me? What did you research on other people in the company? Yeah. And then I want to know what they know about Apti. You know, tell yeah. me that's another memory blue. Tell me everything yeah. you know about memory blue and what we do here. That's a question that I like to ask, you know, and I want to know if we were to offer you, what would make you want to decide between us and another company yeah. in Austin, even if the salary was the same? What would speak to you? Are you somebody who's just checking off interviews or are you actually really looking at these yeah. companies and deciding what's best for you? So I think as long as you come in confident, you come in ready to build, like you have that grit building character to you, you can tell, you can talk yeah. to them, you can ask some questions, you know, what their life has been like up until this moment, what they want to do to be successful, to know if there's somebody who's just ready to come in, put their head down and get to work until they're good. Question. We talked about this. The number one request is from very blue clients. What's that? Can I have a female on yeah. the campaign? How do we get more? What's it like being a female on a campaign or running a campaign yeah. or in the room? And then how do we get more of them into the game? Because I always answer that question. I said, I, I mean, sure, I, I, I'm working on it, but it's hard. Yeah. So when I walked in here, first day of the job at Memory Blue, I was one of two women in the entire office. And I want to say there was maybe 40 or so people in the office. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, my heart sunk a little bit. I walk in and I'm like, there's no girls. I'm very much a female person. You know, I'm a girl's girl. I love sure. around women. So I walk in and I see that and I'm like, okay, this is just how it's going to be in life. And people have worn me up into this moment. And most of my business calls here when talking with clients, it was me with a bunch of men. You're very aware that that's the way that the business world is right now. It's heavily skewed towards the male perspective. The reason people are asking for women on their campaign is not only because women are killers, but also because we bring a different perspective to Correct. the table. And it's it's nice to have that. I don't want a carbon copy of everyone on my team. I no. want people from different backgrounds. I want female and males. Yeah. So yeah, hiring for my job right now, I would say for every 20 applicants, I get one female applicant. So I have 19 male applicants coming in, one female applicant coming in. I have to go on the offense to find my females. And I don't look for people who are open to sales jobs. I just look for people who are open to work. Yeah. And I tell them why sales could be for them. And I tell them, you know, do you want to be somebody who runs your book of business? Do you want to be somebody who runs your day? Do you want to be the CEO of your desk? Because that's what sales is. Yeah. Like If you are independent and you want to be like this breakout person, then come here let me tell you about it and that's how i've been able to get a lot of female applicants i also made a commitment to myself and my company that for every male i hire i will hire a female co-part i wrote that down 
Just go yeah. Ahead. So I will yeah. never hire two males if I am not hiring two females along with it. And that's something that I would like, you know, a lot of businesses go out there and pledge, like they're willing to say they want more women in their company, but are they willing to say, I won't hire another person until we get a female there? What would that mean to your recruiters? They would say, okay, well, I'm not going to get paid unless I find a female. So it's all about driving behavior through whatever incentives that you guys have and promote. And that can be for any company out there, like go find a woman for every male that you find. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not going to write your bonus check. You're not, yeah. it's, we're going to act like you didn't even hire this person. And that's how you can start bringing in yeah. women because it's going to change the behavior of the recruiters. And when women are more fulfilled within this business role and we see them more represented, then we're going to get more applicants because mothers, teachers, brothers, neighbors, yeah. not brothers, <laughs> neighbors, every sisters, they're going to be in the business world and it's yeah. going to be more normal for them. Like it was normal for me having my mom at the kitchen yeah. table, closing deals like at HBIC. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the HBIC. <laughs> We've been working on it. Yeah, I think. I, think, I, mean, I can already like, tell. It's so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's at a never before seen high right now. Yeah, we have a lot, and I, so I think once you get the streak going, it's easy to keep it. Well, easier. Yeah, well, Christina, let me. This is like way back when we had one office. We were probably like fifteen or so. At one point, it was always a, a, a very small number of females. But at one point, just because of the turnover within the business, it was, we were 15 or so, we had zero females. And you know how hard it was to get that one yeah. female? Yeah. And the reason, the, the main reason would be if we had a female come on site to interview, the SDRs acted oh like gosh. buffoons. So <laughs> Rock and yeah. get so pissed, we're like, guys, behave yourself. This, yeah. is, a, this is a joke. But then we were fortunately able to get one who loved yeah. it because she wanted to be the queen bee yeah. <laughs> and rule the roost. And she did. And then we started getting more and more and more. And then yeah. the more that you have success, the more. Right. It's a snowball. It, it snowballs. Yeah. yeah. It snowballs. And the woman in charge of all delivery, Kristen. Yeah. She works on that. We all work on it. We do. Because we want the different views. And you also want to give people equal access to the opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So for some reason, it's better now. But sales wasn't. Looked at as like the highest or most noble profession out there. Yeah. Some people might be like, I don't want my daughter to grow up to be in sales, but why not? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Right. So it's more prevalent now than even when you got out of well, school. I mean, my, my prediction is if you just follow what's happened in higher education, yeah. like the females have blown past the guys. Like we're getting up on 60 40. Blown past yeah. the guys. The guys, yeah. the guys are busy. I don't know, living in the basement, the parents are playing betting, games. You know, betting on sports online, they're yeah, doing all that stuff. And the women yeah. are just taking care of business. Yeah. And so that's going to, that's, that's coming to over America. Yeah. My prediction. Yeah, we do mature faster than mm-hmm. men, and that's mm-hmm. just been like studied that yeah. upon yeah. before. Yeah, three daughters. Yeah, well, I've got a daughter and a son, and I, I live it, breathe it every day. Yeah, so I think <laughs> with like the aspect of like maturing a little bit faster than them, like when we come to work, we are ready to work. Yeah. So I think that like sure, there are still parents out there that are like, my daughter doesn't need to be in sales. You also still see a lot of parents saying, oh, marry rich, honey, you yeah. know, and like yeah. things like that, where they don't know that they can be their own rich. They're <laughs> just know. like waiting for. Mr. Right, like be your own Mr. Right and yeah. just go out here and kill it yeah. and then find whoever you want after yeah. that. Yeah. So I think there's just a lot 
lot of that. It's like the way that we talk to women and the way we say everything. And it's all, it's these little, you know, microaggressions that are here and there that people aren't even aware of. It's even like the aspect of right now, my boyfriend and I have been dating for quite a while and everyone's like, Oh, when is he going to propose? And like acting like he's going to just like lose out on the world if that were to happen. And it's like, do you think that that's a one-sided opinion or something like that? I'm not like, I I'm just waiting around for the day that I can like drop my last name. And it's like, that's just like, (laughs) that's the way people like talk to women a lot of times and nobody's like, Oh, this is going to be the little business woman of the world. Like that's not really what people are saying to women. So they don't really know what they're capable of unless they've seen it before. But once they are guided in that that direction with that emotional maturity and just that overall maturity that they yeah. have above men, they come in here and they realize I can do this. Absolutely. I can do Definitely. this and I can crush it Absolutely. and I can be amazing. Yeah. It is, one day we have the conversation how we get more guys in the sales, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. How do we get more guys to be more ambitious? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of boyfriend, where'd you meet boyfriend? I met my boyfriend. Let's see. He walked into this office. I love it. I love hearing And this. I looked up and I see him walking by and I was like, that looks, that looks <laughs> good. Water. That looks good. Yeah. Talk glass of water. That's a great way to put it. So I went back to my desk and then Joey Sorensen was doing an interview with him in here. And I was just promoted like maybe that day. It was my first day of yeah. delivery manager. And he goes, why don't you go in there and just, you know, give him your little spiel or yeah. whatever. So we have our little conversation then he comes to start a couple weeks later joey was his manager and was out of town was like why don't you take him out to lunch so we go get lunch and like i'm not joking we must have gotten lunch every single day like after that until whatnot and then he's at couch base still so he was sdr here got hired out within like 90 days oh wow chris i know for the audience oh yes my boyfriend chris the lovely handsome chris if you're listening so yeah he got hired out within a quick three months got promoted to an ae there within like a year or so after that and then they just went public so that was really exciting for him i'll tell you now it's your turn yeah i only bring this up because like chris and i are flattered that you worked here yeah it left such a lasting impact mm-hmm. right and it, it tickles my heart to know that you met somebody you know while you worked here too so we're doing some things right yeah right we're, doing, uh, we're always working to make it building better. some good relationships we're, yeah. building, we're doing a, a lot of good things getting a lot of people going and for the rest of my career i'm say that you and chris and a lot of those people who you there's with. lots that started yeah. relationships here um yeah. nick foley and kat meyer yeah. they yeah. started here too yeah. they're they're both at couch base reps and now they're happily living together yeah. and there was you know lots of flings that yeah. you know, fizzled <laughs> out along the way too okay. not that's not fine makes it. that's not okay makes it. that's okay you just you know you have a good time but there's also great long friendships yeah. i mean just a couple Correct. weeks ago we had our memory blue reunion at easy tiger yeah. there was 12 13 of us at that yeah. table yeah. all memory blue at some point yeah. Josh Harris was in town. I think he yeah. was doing the, the podcast too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, we have, we have some work to do. That guy's a wild man. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Such a, yeah, it's just great. And he had What's his girlfriend. His dog. Oh my. It was dog. this disgusting dog yeah, yeah. with these stringy hair yeah, yeah. who I had to watch, mind you. It was the smell from the high heavens. When The day he got back in town, the minute he landed, I was like, take this dog back. I thought it was a dog person, but take <laughs> right. this dog back. Right. I can't remember its name though, but it, boy, was it an interesting character. Perfect dog for him though. <laughs> Tina, what advice would you have for yourself like the night before you worked at Memory Blue, your younger self, go back in time? Yeah, I would have said to come here 
and probably learn a little bit more from those around me and like listen to those calls because I was on a campaign that was very specific to um, calling into police departments. Mm -hmm. And I'll label it as an easier campaign just because they don't get a lot of cold calls. Mm -hmm. So our quotas were way higher, but you know, a lot of people were much more willing to talk to us. And when I graduated from that role, I had to learn cold calling like all over again because what I was doing only really worked for what I was on. I wish I picked up more PPMs and like spent some more time calling on different agencies and listening to other people in here. I think I just had my blinders on because I just wanted to focus on what my job description was. But like go above your job description, like just go in and go above. If you have some extra time, if you have an hour left in your day, don't sit on your phone. Go talk to that kid in the corner you've never met before and like see what's up. What's he dialing on? What works for him? I think that would have really like taken me to the next level. And I would have made more money, too, because I would have been dialing on PPMs and getting some you know yeah. bonuses there too yeah maybe we should put you unleash you on some other clients and i give you a choice yeah you're doing so well the clients you had they would they would well, kill this it wasn't that long before she got promoted I know, yeah I know, <laughs> not, not long at all right because it goes by a lot faster yeah i think it will it did go by fast yeah but when you're doing it yeah it's going like, by slow yeah you're like when am i going to be done with this yeah uh, yeah yeah it's hard yeah it's hard you get like getting hung up on but like it's like the dip that we read in a book i mean there's only few people at the end of the finish line because everybody gives it don't be one of the people who give up along the way don't be the person who says i'm gonna do this health kick and give up don't be the person who says i'm gonna be a millionaire but then decides you know it's too hard don't be the person who says i want to be you know a great account executive and stops at their fourth dial (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I mean, that's I, great. I was rocking Christina and Tina. I only heard Tina like after you were here for like six months. So people yeah. still call me Tina. Oh, everybody in my life calls me Tina. Okay, it was it. started here. I think it, it was. was started here? Yeah, yeah, it was George who was on Motorola with yeah, me. Um, he called me Latina. And yeah. it was almost like a mocking thing because like they would always tease me every day oh latina has to be on the phones latina has to get her calls in and i'm like yeah it's the job first of all and then it just caught on from there. Dot started calling it our end of day huddles. I remember and, I talked to him when he said Tina. I said, who's, who's Tina? We don't have a team that works here. Yeah. Like, no, we just started calling her Tina. I said, did anybody ask her permission? <laughs> we don't have enough women that work here. We can't start calling them names if they don't ask for it. Yeah. yeah. So we were fine with it. Now, and, oh, and I, I love it. it. Now I right. everybody in my life calls it to me now. It's the craziest thing. I'd never been called Tina before. What did your folks say? My parents are like, who's Tina? Yeah. And then they start catching up because they hear Chris call me Tina and they want to okay. be a part of the fun. Uh, of course they do, <laughs> so right? then they start calling me Tina and I'm like, I don't no. know. <laughs> it doesn't sound right coming out That's of your mouth. I start with Christina. I said, okay, now we can go a little more formal. So I'm so rushing. Yeah. It, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I tell you, I'm so happy. I'm so, I mean, I'm happy that everybody worked here. But yeah. Like, it's, it's, you left lots of great people. Yeah, lots of great people. And and for every, I mean, everyone, people who left to go be killer salespeople, people who left yeah. to go into marketing, people who left yeah. to go into Sales customer ops, success, we have success. people who left to go to recruiting, people left to go all over the world. And they're all, I mean, they're all great people to keep in touch with. They're all just loving, loving people. Definitely. Very good. This is so fantastic. It was great coming in here. Yeah. I have to drop in to your new office once yes. you get up. What's the opening date? Supposedly, like December first. I'll but, be there. But we, we so we have a big thing. Yeah, come by then okay. for sure. But we're gonna try to organize this like some event. Yeah, it's like great for networking to, and to yeah. get everybody. You know, that's your been, Easy Tiger Posse there. Yeah, oh, everyone will come. Yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. be awesome. 
Yeah, so no. it, it'd be nice because everybody who worked played a part in it. They like, helped it. This was the first office, so people took a big chance on us to come to work here. Yeah, like, I, I'm not. People, everyone has options. Yeah, right. So, and we appreciate them and everyone making a contribution. Yeah, no, it's a good choice. You know, great place to learn everything. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. And thanks, Tina. Taking an individual's raw potential and turning them into a thriving sales professional takes the right training. That's where Memory Blue Academy comes in. Memory Blue Academy teaches participants the fundamentals of sales development and all aspects of a lead generation role, regardless of the level of professional experience or background. The course kicks off with a two-day intensive boot camp session, followed by a six-week ongoing educational program. This is the program every single Memory Blue SDR undergoes at the onset of their tenure. The curriculum covers a wide range of topics, including list building, objection handling, effective sales emails, and more. Participants will be shown how to successfully execute a diverse set of sales activities in a very short time, experiencing tangible and lasting skill growth. To learn more and sign up for a seat in an upcoming session, head to memoryblue.com academy. for listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep.